to start um, in Philippians chapter three, and I don't I don't really plan to go very long this evening. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to rush, uh, but at the same time, I, I'm not just going to drag this out to drag it out. But I, I do feel like the Lord has uh, given a, put some put some things on my heart to share this evening. So Philippians three and going to read several verses from this chapter, beginning with verse number four. And Paul says this, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And in case you're missing what the King James is saying there, Paul's saying if there's anybody that thinks they've got something in themselves to be confident in. If if they think they've got some abilities, wisdom, knowledge, whatever, Paul's saying, I I have that even more. So he, he's, he's uh, I guess you could almost say he's boasting a little bit in this verse. However, as you read on uh, to what Paul is really saying here, you, you quickly recognize that the statement was not intended to be bragging on Paul's part. So verse number five, he's, he's getting ready to list some of these things that he has even more reason to have confidence in the flesh over. He says, circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I mean, that means he was... He, he was top-notch. He, he had it all down. He was doing it all the right way. As touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So he's saying, I, I had it all. I did it all. I was, I, was, I was good at it all. But then he says this, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss. For Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And then verse number 10, and, and many of you, especially you old timers, probably can quote this verse because we, we've heard Bishop minister not only this verse, but this principle to us for many, many years now. And Paul says this, I count all of that but loss. Why? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I, I want to just briefly point out to you 
we all are we we all enjoy knowing him in the power of his resurrection knowing the victories knowing the accomplishments but paul said i don't want to just know him in the power of his resurrection in the greatness of who he is i want to i want to fellowship in his sufferings as well i i want to know him in the difficult things that he's been through as well as the good things that i may know him the amplified bible says verse number 10 this way or in fact let me read i want to read the message bible first and then i will go to the amplified bible verse 10 in the message bible i gave up all that inferior stuff so i could know christ personally i gave up all that i gave up my resume i I think you could say, Paul was saying, I gave up all of that so that I could know Christ personally. And then the Amplified Bible says it this way, for my determined purpose is that I may know him. My determined purpose is that I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it, which exerts over, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death in the hope. I, I want to read the first, I guess, half, basically, it is, of that verse again in the Amplified. And I, I know the Amplified can be a little bit wordy and uh, not necessarily the easiest to follow along with. But I, I think this is just very... Uh, very important, very profound, the way that the Amplified says this. My determined purpose is, my de the, the thing that I am after, the thing that I am pursuing is that I may know Him. What is your determined purpose? As we heard this morning, as the Spirit of the Lord spoke to us this morning, I, I think unintentionally, I think unintentionally, nevertheless, I think we've let a lot of different purposes crowd their way into our lives. And so one of our purposes, one of our determined purposes is that I may know him. But I, I think we've got a lot of things we've added to that, other purposes that we have in the kingdom that in a lot of ways seem and sound like very justifiable, very noble purposes. But Paul boiled it down to one thing. My determined purpose is that I may know him. Not that I may know Pentecostal or apostolic doctrine, not that I may know how to do this or how to do that, not that I may know the gifts of the Spirit, not that I, not that I may know whatever, <laughs> that I may know Him. 
that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Are you becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him? That can only happen on a personal level. There are things that happen when we gather together, whatever the setting is. There, there are things that can only happen when we gather together. And, and then there are some things that, that are sort of easier when we gather together. I, I found it a lot of times if I'm struggling, it's, it's a lot easier to get what I need from the Lord when I am get gathered together with other believers, when I am in an atmosphere where it is not solely up to me to create the atmosphere. And, and, and so there are times and places where that's, that's all good, that's wonderful. But when it comes to progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, that cannot happen in any kind of a group setting. That's got to be a one-on-one -on -one thing between just you and Jesus. And, and the two fundamental areas in which that happens with just you and Jesus is in prayer and is in the reading and the studying of his word. That I may become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. I believe with all of my heart in the, in the importance and the significance of doctrine, of needing to know doctrine, of the foundation of doctrine and, and, and the things that we believe when it comes to the word of God. All of those things are, are absolutely essential to us. But if, not, if we're not careful we can be more we can become more progressively acquainted with our doctrine and not more progressively acquainted with just simply knowing him we can become more progressively acquainted and uh and and knowledgeable about the things we do spiritual ministry spiritual warfare and 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 not necessarily become more personally and intimately, deeply acquainted with him. Barnes Notes says this with regards to that phrase that I may know him, that I may be fully acquainted with his nature, his character, his work, and with the salvation which he has worked out. It is one of the highest objects of desire in the mind of the Christian to know Christ. Again, I, I want to be fully acquainted with his nature, his character, and his work. I was kind of thinking about this a little bit this afternoon. I think one of the reasons the enemy wants us to get more focused on, 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 I guess, really the best term is religion. Because religion can be very impersonal. Whatever category you want to put on, whatever label it may be, whatever denomination it may be. And, and, and so even for us as, as apostolics and apostolic doctrine, 
our apostolic doctrine can can uh, it, it, it can be very impersonal even though it's supposed to be based on the Word of God, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all, all, those, all those principles that, that we know. Nevertheless, there's just something impersonal. And, 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 and part of what I've been thinking a little bit about today is, is one of the reasons it's people can walk away having... having embrace the truth and the things that we believe. One of the reasons they can walk away from that and give up all of that and change their beliefs and change the way they live is because it's, it's, it's a doctrine, it's a religion. Because there's something very different when there is a personal connection, when there is a personal attachment and again that's that's to me part of what the spirit of the lord was challenging us with today we need to know about all the things that that we know about we we need to know about ministry and spiritual ministry and and spiritual warfare and the gifts of the spirit and 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 the plan of salvation and the godhead and all those things are 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 important but those are not substitutes, and neither are those things synonymous with us becoming more and more acquainted with who he is, with knowing him. I, 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 I like the way Barnes says this. I want to be fully acquainted with his nature, his character, his work, and with the salvation which he has worked out. We just last weekend celebrated 29 years of marriage, and I know my wife way more now than I did 29 years ago. And uh, there are times, and, and I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, because usually it's a more spontaneous thing than it is a pre-planned thing, but, but there, are, there are things that she says in certain situations, certain circumstances that that I can, uh, sometimes I will say them, other times I just, I hear her voice in my head saying those, that phrase or those words and, and, and the inflection of her voice. And I don't, I don't get away with it too much anymore because she's, she's way more uh, discerning of it now. But every now and then I can still kind of sneak by and and in in the right moment say one of those statements that she would say and and I get this initial look of a little bit of a twinkle and then all of a sudden she realizes I'm kind of giving her a hard time because I'm really I'm just I'm just kind of imitating her I I I find myself doing that more and more and more but again 29 years ago that wasn't the case. Why? Because I've become more acquainted. I've I've known her more to the point that I I we we think alike in a lot of ways. We we think similar things in similar circumstances. Is there anyone who we should become more acquainted with than with our heavenly Father? Is there anyone that we should learn? more to know how to think like they think and 
react like they would react, respond the way that they would respond in various circumstances and situations than, than Jesus would. How do I do that? I, I don't do that by attending church three times a week, joining together with an oikos periodically and, 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 and going to a grow class. And all those things are important. They're all a, a, a piece of the process. But ultimately, to really get to know him, as I've already said, it's got to happen in a personal one-on-one setting. David, in, in a lot of ways, in a lot of places, expresses similar desires as Paul. In fact, during Meet this week, we've heard him reference it before, but even this week during Meet, Bishop uh, drew out comparisons between uh, David and the Apostle Paul in, in, in their hunger and desire and their pursuit of, of God. And just one of those examples is Psalms 42 and verse number one, and it says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Again, in, in some things that Brother Baptiste said this morning, that's it, it, what, what the psalmist is saying here. I, I'm not thirsting for what I can get from God. I'm not thirsting for what God will do for me. I'm not thirsting for the things of God. I am thirsting for God. I think really David is saying very similar, different way, but really saying the same thing as Paul. I got to know him. I need to know him. I want to know him. I want to become more acquainted with who he is, with what he is. We, we've heard, I, I don't, I, I, it's been decades now, literally decades now that, that we've heard it taught, ministered here, especially by Bishop, that, that there is a difference between religion and relationship. And the goal, the, the goal is relationship. It's not religion. I think if we're not careful that that we can default even as apostolics, and in some ways I would say even more so as apostolics, we can we can default to more of a religious mentality and mindset. And I, I think part of the reason I say that and feel that is because we we are we are more to me. <laughs> To a, from what I would consider to be a genuine apostolic, we are more adamant about our doctrine than, than any other group of people. I, I've shared this at times in the past, but I've, I've sat around in, in clergy settings in this community, in, in, in our area, and I've sat around tables with clergy from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of denominations, and I've sat there and listened and also felt in my spirit as conversations were going on that that there was this sense that one person didn't really care what you know they they were one category of christian and that person's another one and 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 it really didn't seem like there was any kind of issue with that the sort of the underlying attitude that i felt from everyone was you know we we got our own 
ideas. We got our own slant on things, but really we're just all going to the same place, just kind of getting there different ways. Well, uh, as apostolics, that's not the way we feel. That's not the way we believe. And 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 needless to say, that doesn't give us the right for some kind of a, a you know a holier than thou attitude or a wrong spirit. And none of those things are justifiable. But because of the the, the belief that we have in in one God and and baptism in Jesus' name and infilling of the Holy Ghost. We can become so acquainted with those things and so committed to those things and, and continuing to dig into those things, that that's, but that is not synonymous with knowing him, with getting to know him. I think sometimes our attitude can be, well, you know, that we're supposed to be reaching the world and we're supposed to be going into all the world and preaching the gospel. And, we're, and, and so how, how can you say just we're supposed to focus on knowing him? Because it, 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 there is no way to truly get to know Jesus and then not take on his characteristics and attributes. And then you're going to want to do even more what he wants you to do. You're, you're going to want to do even more what is important to him, what, what he values. I think that's one of the things that comes out of a, 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 um, a healthy marriage is, is you, want to, you want to do the things that please your spouse, not, not in the sense of, you know, if you're the, if you're the husband, not in the sense of not being the head of your house and, and, and being weak and not having a backbone, you, but you, you want to do it, whatever my wife desires, if it's at all in the realm of possibility to do it, to provide it, I want to do that. So, you, you, you know, the, this idea of, of focusing on knowing Jesus, uh, that, that's, that's not good because we'll become so introspective and, and self-centered and, and, and focused on just ourselves. Well, not if you're truly getting to know Jesus. There, there's one thing, uh, one of the things about Jesus that's different than us. When we spend, as human beings, when we spend time with each other, it's not really uh, predetermined who is going to rub off on who. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've watched this. I'm, my parents, I'm sure, watch this with me. Most of us as parents have experienced this to some degree or the other. But you can watch your kids and, and, and you can see mannerisms and behaviors that they take on based on who they're associating with. So they, they're hanging out with one set of friends and, and there's certain things they'll say, there's certain ways they'll act, and, and then the longer they're away from those friends, sort of, I guess, the more back to themselves they become. And then they get around another group and they start taking on those characteristics and attributes. And then sometimes it's vice versa. People are becoming a little bit more like them. And, and, and so we can, we can rub off on each other. Sometimes that's a negative. <laughs> And there's times that the fact that we can rub off on each other can be a positive. But, but I will tell you, I don't think you and I ever rub off on Jesus. <laughs> I don't think he ever 
starts to become or act like us. If there's going to be any changing in that relationship, it's going to be us becoming more like him. So there is no way to truly, there's no way to truly have the, the desire that Paul had of getting to know him and, and that not make you more of an effective uh, a minister. And I don't mean minister in the context of a preacher. I mean a minister in the context that all of us with the Holy Ghost are ministers. There's no way you can pursue knowing Jesus and then not and, and truly get to know him and then not want to reach out to others, care for others, love others, minister to others. However, again, we can focus on these. The, the problem is we can focus on our doctrine so much that if we're not, I, I guess if I could say it this way, if we're not balancing our doctrine with our relationship with Jesus Christ, we can, we can become pharisaical, really is the bottom line. We can get this holier-than-thou, better-than-everyone-else attitude because we know our doctrine, we know what we believe, and yet we've missed his character, we've missed his nature, we've missed his attributes, we've missed becoming more and more like him. I read these verses this morning at the end of the service, but I just, I really felt to, to, to read them again here this evening. In Revelation chapter 2, and, and it's this is a part of the, 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 the passage where uh, the, the Spirit of the Lord is addressing the seven churches. And so in, in Revelation 2 and 1, he says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake hast labored and has not fainted. Those are some, those are some really positive things and, 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 and he's acknowledging them as being positive things. He's not saying these things are bad or wrong. He's saying these are the things that you do, that you do well. I, uh, I, 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 I don't know if I should tell on him quite this way. I've already shared this with a couple people, but this morning I uh, went into the office area and, and uh, Brother Baptiste was in there, Brother Mike McGurk was in there, and I had not officially met him yet, still hadn't officially met him yet, and Went in there and uh, he he came out and and uh, we we met and introduced ourselves to each other and and then uh, and I will I will preface this next part he was he was here this week for meet again some of you may kind of know this but he was here for the meet meeting this week he was not scheduled to be with us today I believe they were returning back home last night but asked if they could stay and they were able to do that so he he wasn't here in town to to minister to preach and so 
uh, I, I, he, he said, hey, anybody have a Bible I could borrow? And I, I, I thought I realized, unless it was just someplace else, but he didn't have an iPad, and then he asked for a Bible. And I, I said to a couple of people before service or after service, and actually I said this to Brother Baptiste as well. I said, you know, when, when, I, when you asked for a Bible and I noticed you didn't have an iPad, I knew we were in good shape this morning. And I mean that as sincerely as I can mean it. <laughs> I mean that very genuinely. You say, well, he didn't have a Bible. He didn't have, and you, you, you felt good about that? Yeah, absolutely. Because that told me from the get-go that, that he, was, he was there to follow the Spirit, to, to, to be led of the Spirit. He wasn't there. He, wasn't, he hadn't come. He hadn't stayed over today just to come preach a nice little sermon. And so when he got up there and, and began to minister and, and, and began to follow the leading of the Spirit, it was all of that was confirmation as well. And, and I said it this morning, and I'll say it again this evening, we, we've been taught, we've been trained as a church to, to, to uh, as, 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 the, as the Spirit says here in verse 2, that you, you try them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars. You, 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 you check them out. And, and, and as I said this morning, it's, you know, they're, they're, in one context, it's okay that when especially somebody new comes to minister to us, that you, you use your spiritual discernment and, and, and check them out and, and you know, kind of see if they got the goods or not. All of that is positive. All, all of those things, the things that he is saying to them in verse 2 and verse 3, they're, they're wonderful things, but then he says this in verse 4. Nevertheless, even with all of those really great, awesome things, there, these are some great things that you do or that you don't do. With all of that, I've got something against you. You've left your first love. The Amplified says verse 4 this way, But I have this one charge to make against you. What, what do you mean you have one charge? I mean, we, we do all those things. We do them well. You're complimenting, us, you're complimenting us for what we do and how we do it, and yet you're saying you've got one thing against us, and, and, and you know I've already read it to you, and most of you already know this passage anyway, but just, just imagine, if you would, for a moment, you, you've never read this passage before, and, and all you've heard now is, I've got one thing against you. What, what do you think would come to mind? I mean, what there, there are, there are. I think there's a whole variety of things that you could think would be the accusation against them. Maybe you know, in spite of what he says in verse two and three, maybe, maybe they, you know, I got something against you. You, you've got prejudice. You've got racism in your midst. You, you, you've got. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm drawing a blank for other examples, but I, I, I think there's several things that could come to mind that the thing that he would have against them. And yet, again, the Amplified, I, I, I've got a charge to make against you, and here it is. You have left, abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. 
I, I didn't have the same experience that many of you have had. There's others that are like me, born and raised in this. It's all we've known all of our lives. But some of you, a good percentage of you, a good percentage of those are part of Antioch Central. You weren't born and raised in church. And a number of you, I think, have the 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 testimony that when 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 you when you came to God, we often say when you found God, but God wasn't lost. It's when God found us. But when you came to God, life was not good. Some of you finances were a mess. Some of you your marriage was a mess. Some of you your your uh, your your health was not good. Some of you had a combination of, of those things. And when you got the when you when you repented of your sins and got baptized in Jesus name and were filled with the Holy Ghost, all of those problems, all of those things did not suddenly go away. If you drove to, you know, if you got the Holy Ghost at church, some people have gotten it at home and other places, but if you got the Holy Ghost at church, if in the day you came to church, you were driving a broken, beat up vehicle that was barely running enough to get you to church, air conditioning didn't work, and, and radio didn't work, and it was just a mess, it was on his last leg, but it got you there. When you got the Holy Ghost, you didn't walk outside to a brand new Cadillac. <laughs> you went and got in the same vehicle that you came in. But I think some of you could testify, if you can remember it, that when you got back in the car, you had a different perspective. You may have been frustrated with that vehicle coming, but you weren't frustrated as much with it leaving. Why? Because of what you had just received, the experience you had just had. You, 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 you were falling in love with Jesus. Brother Baptiste said it this morning and how true it is. Blessings. Some of God's, some of the blessings God has given us. If we're not careful, we can turn them into a curse because they can become a distraction. They they can become a stumbling block. They can they can begin to take priority uh, of our time, of our relationship with God. I, I've got something against you. You don't love me the way you did at the beginning. I, I want you to go back to that. We all, most of us, know the term second honeymoon. Well, I, I, I'm of the opinion that a marriage that lasts for years and decades, you're in need of more than a second honeymoon. You're in need of a third honeymoon. You're in need of an eighth honeymoon. You're in need of a 15th honeymoon where you sort of fall in love all over again. It's kind of the whole thing and. And uh, we, are, we are beginning to move into that season. Uh, it's got a little ways to go, I know, but we are starting to enter that season of where we, we will eventually become empty nesters. And I've heard it, and, and most of you adults have heard it, that it's, it's not an uncommon thing that people have been married for decades 
and all of a sudden the kids are now all gone and 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 it's now back to just the husband and the wife and they sit there and they look at each other after 25 30 years of marriage and they don't even really know each other and there's they don't really have any connection with each other anymore it's been their connection with the kids and life with the kids and now they're staring at each other and don't really even know each other and relationships that are that have been to people that have been together for 25, 30, 35 years end in divorce. Why? Because they left their first love. They forsook their first love. You got to go back and rekindle and stir it up. We can do the same exact thing in our walk with God. We can lose our first love. I want to read one more passage here and wind down. It's Genesis 26. I'm going to read several verses. But it's Genesis 26, beginning with verse number 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines, had stopped them and filled them with earth. All of all of the wells which Abraham, Isaac's father, had dug out, wells that had water, wells that they could draw water from, the Philistines came along and filled them with earth. Verse 16, And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and dwelt there. Verse 18, and this is, this is to me part of what was happening this morning. This is a part of what the Spirit of the Lord was, was doing this morning that was not completed this morning. This morning was only a starting point. Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. Isaac went back to the source of supply that Abraham his father had dug out. It says in verse number uh, 15, it says that the Philistines had filled them, had filled these wells with earth. I think the enemy does the same thing to us. He fills the well of our relationship, our love for God with earth, with the things of this world. And sometimes the thing that's uh, also been kind of 
just working on me a little bit this afternoon as a result of this morning. I don't think it's just carnal, natural, worldly things that can stop up our wells. I don't remember exactly the way it was said this morning, but and Brother Baptiste touched on it. We we know how to we know how to do spiritual warfare. We there's there's all these things we know how to do. We we've been taught and trained and, and we know and if we're not careful, I think some of those things can clog up our wells because we can have all those things in our lives and yet not have that connection, that personal connection of our relationship and our walk with God. It was said this morning, and I believe it. I, it wasn't, it, I believe it was a word from God. It wasn't just a nice little thing to be said, but that there was a season that God was taking us into where, where that intimacy, that personal intimacy with him was going to be renewed. We're going to do some, some digging out of some wells. I, I've, I've touched on it. I've, I guess, sort of taught about it, preached about it some here in the last, at times in the last several months of, of you know, all every, everybody wants to argue with or, or, or argue why, you know, this isn't necessary, that's not necessary, we don't have to live this way, we, we, can, we can go to heaven and not have to do all these things. You know what ultimately that's all about is it's junk getting in our wells. Because the more I know him, the more concerned I am with what he wants, how he thinks, how he feels, I'm not, I'm not less concerned with all of that the more I know him. And so when, I am, when, I, when I've got attitudes and I've got desires and I've got ambitions that are working in my life that are contrary to, to who he is, to who God is, to who his nature, then, then I, I need to do some digging out of some wells. I need to do some digging out of some some old wells. I want you to notice, I think, kind of two things here as, as I try to wrap this up. Number one, verse 18 says that Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham, his father. They didn't dig new wells. They didn't come up with new wells. They didn't abandon the wells that Abraham had built. Isaac went back to the wells that Abraham, his father, had dug, and he cleaned out those wells. And then the second thing I want you to notice is that it says, the latter part of verse number 18, he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. He called their names by the names which his father had called them. He didn't come up with a nice, new, catchy name for the wells. He didn't, he didn't, you know, well, my, my dad was, he was, he was, uh, you know, uh, he was, he's kind of out of date. And, 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 and that, that name may have worked when he first dug the well, but we, we need a new name for the well. 
I've watched and 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 there there's some there's some things that I in and of themselves I don't think there's necessarily a problem but it's what what disturbs me is a bigger pattern I have observed or or things that I have watched over the last probably 10, 10 or so years. I've watched the renaming of some wells, if you will. I, I, I've watched the renaming of some old thing that, that you know, there, there's, there's certain terminology we used to use that, that we, we, we don't use that anymore. We've got a different word. We've got a different name for it. And, and again, there's some things that I don't think it's a big deal. It's, it's probably really innocent. But, but if we're not careful, there's a reason why we're renaming. There's a reason why we want to come up with, with a new name, a catchy name, or, or a new name to redefine. So we, we call things that we used to call then one thing we now call them something else because they're, you know, it's just, it's just not good enough. Well, Isaac recognized, number one, I'm going to go back to the same wells. I don't need to find new wells. I don't need to find new tricks or gimmicks. I, I don't have to, I just need to dig out what's already been dug. I just need to clean out what's in, it, it, we, we, have, we have heard, and I, I think this is a well that the Spirit of the Lord is challenging us with today. There's a well of knowing Him that has been a part of our DNA, if you will, as a church. That a lot of different things, and again, some things that in and of themselves are good things, they're positive things, but unfortunately they've become some of the earth that's clogged up some of our wells. We have been challenged today in a very clear way, a very certain sound. That once again, we need to pursue Him. That I may know Him. Not that I may know about Him. Not that I may know the methods, the ways that He wants things. Not that I may know the structure. Not that I may know whatever that I may know him, that I may become more and more acquainted with him, with his nature, with his character, with his work. Fully acquainted, Barnes says. Not that I just may know a little bit about him, not that I may know bits and pieces, but I want to be fully acquainted with his nature. I'm very thankful for what the Lord did this morning. But again, this morning was simply a start of something. What happened this morning was not the completion. It wasn't, it wasn't the completion. The Spirit spoke to us clearly and, and started something today. I want to challenge you over the next couple of days, over the next couple of weeks. Dig out some wells. Pursue knowing Him. 
lay aside the things you've been arguing about, the things you've been debating, the things you want to fuss about. Just, just, just put all that on the shelf for right now. And just work on knowing him. Because you know what you'll find out? <laughs> you get to know him, pursue knowing him, and a lot of the things that have been sort of your issue really are just going to begin to fade away if you'll just get to know him. I want to pray as I close here this evening. Father, I want to thank you so much for what you've done today. I want to thank you for the service this morning and the way in which you ministered and spoke, challenged us, God. Lord, I believe that what was done this morning was intended to be the start, to be a beginning of a season. In fact, that's what we were told this morning, Lord. And so I pray that you would stir each one of us, stir us with the hunger and desire to know you, not to know about you, not to know about doctrine, not to know about the church, but to know you to know you in the power of, your, of the resurrection, but also in the fellowship of your sufferings. Father, every well that the enemy has tried to fill up and clog up, I pray that in these next couple of days and weeks and even months that we would do some digging and cleaning out of those wells that the water may flow freely once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining this evening. I pray that you have an enjoyable remainder of your evening and a wonderful Memorial Day tomorrow.